This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What is spring training? Yeah, there's the hope. There's the optimism. There's the belief. Belief that this is the year, maybe. Or, if you're the Cubs, this is the second year. What is spring training, really? Yeah, maybe you're watching it on TV once a week, or if you're lucky, a couple times a week, the team's on. You see the major leaguers coming in the beginning, and then the prospects you've heard of, and then the, the guys they've called up from Meyer League camp that you've never heard of. It's an educational moment. And maybe you follow some guys on Twitter. Maybe if we're lucky, you follow us on Twitter. You see the PFPs. You see the batting practices. You see the sim games, the live batting practice, the intra-squad games, all of that. But that's from your home. What is it like when you're in Florida or in Arizona at these spring training facilities? Better yet, what is it like when you're at the backfields? Sitting in the middle, baseball surrounding you, every direction, every way you turn, there is a young baseball player perfecting his craft. We sent Tyler Mon down to Arizona to tell you exactly how that feels. All right, about 9.45 on uh, Wednesday morning, March 15th. I'm at the San Diego Padres backfield in Peoria, Arizona, uh, between the cloverleaf, the four fields where Padres prospects are currently taking part in morning workouts. Um, pretty standard morning for the minor league side for the Padres today. All the guys kind of filed out of the clubhouse probably about uh, 8.30, quarter to 9.00 got to their fields they're separated right now in uh, basically kind of the rookie and short season level guys then low a a high a are basically one team double a and triple a are kind of their own separate groups as well but at this point in spring training so many guys mix around with a bunch of different teams a bunch of different groups trying to get a feel for who's going to end up where when the season gets started uh, but a pretty typical morning in spring training if you haven't gotten a chance to ever check out the backfields players file out get to their own fields with their own groups split off, stretch, do their morning uh, warm-up type of stuff, throwing, running, um, the calisthenics work that they do with training staff members and uh, the physical performance people. Uh, And then they get to work. Right now on one field, uh, we've got batting practice. That's field number six for the Padres. Actually, two fields right now with batting practice. There's an infield outfield going on on field four. Uh, They're hitting on field field five and field six. And uh, on field three, where I'm currently sitting, Uh, There are pitchers down the right field line throwing to each other and position players throwing down the left field line with each other. And so kind of a a typical sort of morning. The sun is starting to come up in Peoria. Going to be... 
probably a hot day, not a not a brutally hot day, thankfully. The temperatures so far have been relatively bearable for this week uh, in Arizona, so Josh Jackson and I have been thankful for that. But basically, this is how a morning starts for the minor leaguers, and you can kind of hear in the background, there's generally, at pretty much every facility, there's music playing for the, the host uh, team. I don't know exactly how the music gets picked out. This morning, it's been pretty much uh, all Spanish language hip-hop, uh, but that's uh, a pretty common thing that teams will bump music in the mornings uh, when teams start to get to work as everything gets a little bit more serious toward the afternoon. If there are intra-squad games or those types of things, uh, teams might shut that off, especially because... In so many of these complexes, there is uh, a tower that overlooks all four fields, and there will be scouts or coordinators or coaches that observe intra-squad matchups from that tower, and they want to be able to give feedback to the guys. So uh, the other day, for example, I was at uh, Salt River Fields at Talking Stick, and uh, one of the Rockies coordinators was yelling down some instruction to his catcher uh, in the middle of an at-bat. I mean, just kind of the types of things you want to see from a guy in a, a given at-bat, what he wanted him to call for his pitcher, where he wanted him to set up, that type of stuff. Um so obviously there's a lot of instruction that goes on kind of constantly here, but that's basically what a morning feels like at spring training. Pitchers are off uh, on a couple of different mound sections here throwing bullpens and getting their work in with pitching coordinators. You get to see a lot of random guys that you remember from uh, from a lot of times in your baseball life. Mark Pryor almost ran me over in a golf cart, which was good. Um, and he's been walking around working with pitchers this morning. Uh, Bert Hooten is out here. He's one of the, the instructors on the minor league side for the Padres. Um, so yeah, you get this random mix of guys that you think, oh yeah, I remember him. I remember him from his playing days or from a coaching position that he had, a managerial position that he had, those types of things. Um, so it's uh, it's fun. It's fun watching guys get to work in the mornings, and especially before the sun gets too brutal, it's uh, a really good energy that's out for uh, for these guys. You can tell they're ready to get to work for a full season, and now starting to get down to it with the last couple of weeks. So that's what it feels like on a given morning in spring training. MILB.com. It's a minor league baseball podcast. I'm Tyler Mon, And as you can hear today, obviously we're having a very different style episode from what you normally hear on the show before the show. I'm in Arizona along with our fellow Western-based writer Josh Jackson, who is here from Los Angeles. Sam Dykstra is in Florida. And the point of this week's show is we want to bring you spring training in a way that makes it feel fitting for spring training. Spring training is different in itself. And so we wanted the show to be different in itself to give you an idea of what it's like to be here, what it's like for writers to be here, what it's like for fans to be here, and what it's like for top prospects to be here. Because this is really the only point on a calendar during the baseball season where everybody is still zero and zero, basically. Spring training stats don't really matter. Everybody's out there trying to get better every day, as they say. Uh, and this is so unique in that regard that we wanted to make the episode unique as well. And we wanted to hear what it's like, not just from our perspective or from uh, an instructor's perspective or from fans' perspectives, but we wanted to talk to guys who are in this 
for their livelihoods about what it's like for them. So we got a chance to catch up with a bunch of prospects. We got a chance to catch up with some people on the player development side. We've been jetting all over the Phoenix area, Josh and I, and Sam's been driving all over the state of Florida. And uh, we've gotten to know a lot about spring training this year. And uh, one of our initial conversations was with the top prospect in all of baseball. Sam got a chance to catch up with the Boston Red Sox outfielder, Andrew Benintendi in Florida. What's this first spring like being in a major league clubhouse? I know you went through that last year, but mm-hmm. it's a different thing going through a spring as opposed to being in that minor league. Show. Right, yeah, I mean, it's, um, you know, it's the same as, like, you put in the same work every day. And, um, but I think that over here it's, I want to say more relaxed, but more, I don't know, guys are just a lot more focused and uh, understand that you got to get their work in. And, um, but have fun at the same time. When you say relaxed, does it feel like more tight in a minor league clubhouse for that? Because everybody's trying to work towards this, essentially? Right. Yeah, I think so. Um, a lot of... You know, I've been loving lucky where this is only my second spring training and I'm here, but... Um, I mean, yeah, like over there, you're... I would say maybe new to the system and you don't know as many people. And, um, I think going through what I went through last year, the two months... Coming in here, it's made me feel comfortable knowing everybody. Um, so that's been, I think, the biggest thing. And in those two months, how long did it kind of take to meld with that group? I mean, it is the major leagues, but you're playing with a whole new group, a whole new right. set of outfielders, the whole yeah. thing. I mean, I didn't know anybody going into Seattle when I got called up. So, but I feel like after a few days, I felt real comfortable because everybody um, made me feel that way. And you know, it's a good group, a good mix of young guys and older guys. Um, they made me feel comfortable right away, and I thought they meshed with a lot of them. And what was that jump like going from Portland to Boston? I mean, that's a lot of guys can do that jumping straight from double A. I mean, it's, there's some differences, but I think that um, I thought that I was ready. Um, you know, you, obviously there's some different things off the field where, you know, there's, you know, instead of Boston, a few more, Boston, fans. Yeah, a few more fans, more media, so. Um, you know, I felt like jumping from double A to up here was, um, I mean, I felt comfortable with it, so um, that's something I had worked for, and I'm um, fortunate to be here. What, what about your time in Salem and Portland kind of best pre- prepared you for your time? Yeah, so I think that, I mean, after last spring training, I felt really prepared, and, um, you know, going to Salem, I felt you know, fresh and ready to go, and, um, you know, my short time there, I was, um, had a great time. I mean, played with some good friends, and... And when I got to Portland, it was kind of the same situation as when I got called to Salem. I mean, to, to the big leagues last year, and I didn't really know that many people in AA, but um, meshed with a lot of people there and made me feel comfortable and um, kind of just continued to go from there. I struggled a little bit beginning, but I think I, that kind of helped. Um, you know, just not hitting well the whole time, so uh, learned from that, and um, I think that's made me more mature and um, ready for the big leagues. And by playing in Portland, that's your first chance to play in New England, mm-hmm. first chance to get really that close to Red Sox fans right. other than this. What was that experience like going through that, you know, getting a taste of kind of home cooking? Yeah, I mean, it was awesome. Uh, it, was, it was cold up there when I first got there. Right, yeah. but, uh, you know, this it's cold fans, there all the time. <laughs> yeah, these fans showed up, and, um, you know, were, they were awesome. They would you know, cheer for us, and um, even if it was 30 degrees out, so... Um, they love their baseball in, in, that, in that state, and so it's it's awesome. And when you were g- going through the majors, you know, were you ever catching yourself knowing, you know, this is my first full season, I got up this quick, uh, you know, this doesn't happen to everybody. Were you ever catching yourself and kind of st- sticking in the moment in that kind of way? Yeah, um, but I felt like, you know, 
going through college and um, you know just two years in college matured me a lot. So um, I wouldn't I wouldn't say I expected to get up here this quick, but um, I felt like I was prepared um, to get up here this quick and um, you know, hopefully stay up here. <laughs> and your draft class, I mean, there's already guys up you know between you, Bregman, Swanson. Mm-hmm. You guys all kind of climbed quickly. Is it something about that group that you know, is it just a special group, or why do you think so many of you are already up? Um, I just think that honestly that I think college in general has gotten a lot better, um, especially in the SEC. I think that you know all of us were SEC guys, so you're seeing guys on Friday nights and Saturdays who are throwing mid-90s, and I can throw all three pitches um, in any count, so maybe it's just, you know, maybe it was that, that group, but I think that we had a lot of preparation before. And, uh, you know, you still have Ricky Status. You know, a lot of people have named you the top overall prospect in the game. I know you guys don't t- usually pay attention to that kind of stuff. Right. But what, what does it feel like to be kind of honored in that way, you know, and do especially that well for your talents? Right, yeah, I mean, it's awesome, um, you know, being up there. So, I mean, that brings some expectation and stuff like that. But I don't feel any pressure, um, anything like that. So I'm glad that people think highly of me in that, in that regard. But... I mean, it all comes down to going out there and playing well. And, and being so prospect, you are eligible for the Rookie of the Year award. Does that become something that's kind of a goal, knowing that it's at least attainable this year? Um, I mean, I wouldn't. It's in, maybe in the back of my mind, maybe, but um, it's a long season. There's a lot of things that can happen, and in, in the end, if, if I you know help the team win, that's all that really matters. And um, you know, things will fall into place. And you know, if that's meant to be, then you know, it's awesome. But. Uh, you know, it's a team game, so I'm going to focus on that. And on a completely different note, you know, what's the chemistry like between you, Bradley, Betts? I mean, everybody talks about the fans at the end, but I mean, you guys are working together as an outfield. You're going to be playing a lot together. How long did that kind of take to get together? Um, I mean, I think immediately. Uh, we always talk in here, and you know, we're always talking in the outfield, and like whether we're moving towards the line, like myself, or you know, wherever we're just constantly talking. And I think um, you know, especially having Jackie in center, it's it's awesome because he's you know the leader out there, so uh, he's good at what he does out there. So having him out there, I think, makes me feel more comfortable, and I think you know that chemistry is just can only get better. And obviously, there's like nobody you could probably bump. Jack and Bradley out of center field. Is there any part of you that misses playing out there, or are you perfectly good enough? No, yeah, I mean, I played yesterday at center for the first time in a while, so, I mean, it was, it was good, but um, I understand that, you know, Jackie's unreal center fielder, and, um, you know, my, I was, in the back of my mind, I always thought that I'd have to move to a corner at some point, so... Um, you know, wherever that may be, I don't, I don't, it doesn't really matter to me. So. Yeah, and you're playing in one of the most notorious corners in baseball, right. you know, playing in front of the wall. Mm-hmm. What is that education like? Yeah, I mean, it's tough. Um, you know, there's a lot of things on that wall. The ball can kick every which way. So, uh, you know, I think all you can really do is just continue to work at that and, um, you know, be the best at it as you can. So, um, something that we work on now and we'll continue to work on throughout the season. Mm-hmm. And last year, you know, being with your climb to the majors, it was kind of like a dream season in that way for you. What would a dream 2017 be? World Series. Yeah, I mean, that's the goal for everybody, I think, here. And I mean, if it's not, I don't know why we're here. So, uh, yeah, just, just working um, you know, every day to get better and hopefully win that World Series. That was Act 2 of this week's podcast, Act 2, been intending to talk. Now we move on to the, the third portion of our podcast this week uh, with our first interview from Josh, who caught up with number six prospect in the Texas Rangers system, Joe Palumbo. 
you just heard from a first-round pick in Andrew Benintendi. You're about to hear from a 30th-round pick in Palumbo. He was taken 30th round, 910th overall in 2013. And he caught up with Josh about his road from that low selection up and to becoming one of the better arms in a very good uh, Ranger system and what it was like to make the transition from the bullpen to starting. For lots of ball players, spring training is about trying to win a roster spot or a higher minor league assignment. For some, both minor leaguers and major leaguers, it's mostly about preparing for the physical demands of the long regular season. Some guys, though, have a little more on their minds. Yeah, I believe I'm in a uh, story mode right now and um, just going to keep doing what I'm doing and, you know, every day just try to get better and try to get stronger and stuff like that and I'm looking forward to the season to, to a starting role. That's Joe Palumbo, the 22-year-old left-hander the Texas Rangers picked out of a Long Island high school in the 30th round of the 2013 draft. Players taken that late don't even necessarily stick around for three seasons of pro ball, let alone turn themselves into legitimate prospects. Palumbo, though, has done just that. There's a good reason he snuck under the radar. Palumbo transferred to a private high school that made him ineligible to play his senior season. He found a men's league filled with former college athletes and ex-pros and did well enough to get noticed by the Rangers. From there, though, he started his career the way a lot of late-round picks do, with a couple years as, basically, a roster filler in complex ball. The year he was drafted, he got into just 13 games in the rookie-level Arizona League, all as a reliever, and got pushed around a little bit posting a 5.03 ERA. He did, however, strike out 22 in 19 and two-thirds innings, and the next year, he was still in the AZL, but he was much better over 14 games. Seven of those were starts. In 2015, Palumbo finally got into full-season ball, pitching for Hickory in the South Atlantic League. He was phenomenal. Starting in the bullpen, he struck out 83 over 58 and a third innings of relief through 26 appearances held opposing hitters to a 198 average, recorded eight saves. Then, a new wrinkle. On July 23rd, Palumbo got the ball for a start. I mean, it was definitely a change, but I feel like being a reliever kind of helped me yeah. coming to starting, coming in with the aggression. Um, I kind of learned how my arm works and, you know, kind of learned about my body a little bit uh, coming out of the pen and then going into starting. But uh, I feel good about it, and... You know, I'm just, just excited. He never went back to the bullpen for the rest of the season. Moving into the rotation in the middle of the year didn't give him much time to stretch out, and he never went more than six innings in any of his seven starts, but his numbers stayed strong. He finished with a 2-2-4 ERA and 122 strikeouts over 96 in the third innings. He only gave up 33 walks all season. Now, here he is in surprise, getting ready, he hopes, to spend the whole season as a starter. What's he doing to prepare? You know, every day in the throwing program, throwing all my pitches. Uh, you know, fastball command is big for me, especially on the glove side, and it's something that I've worked on all off season, and I feel good about it, and uh, hope, hope it transfers well into the season, and change up, just make sure I get proper extension on it, and uh, curveball, I just keep throwing it how I'm throwing it. I feel, I feel comfortable with all my pitches. 
Regular season assignments haven't been finalized, but Palumbo is likely headed to the Rangers' new affiliate in the Class A Advanced Carolina League, the Down East Wood Ducks. That was Act 3 of our program, Joe Palumbo, Texas Ranger. I talked to Palumbo on Monday in surprise, and on Tuesday, I went to Glendale to catch up with Walker Bueller, who's ready to roll this year after Tommy John surgery sidelined the start to his career. That story is up on MILB.com. While I was in Dodger camp, Tyler was on the other side of Camelback Ranch, talking with Bueller's former teammate at Vanderbilt, Carson Fulmer. Um, so tell me about uh, you know being in big league camp and uh, I mean obviously last year is a, a crazy year for you but uh, to get a chance now to come get to do this every day uh, what's uh, what are you feeling like at this stage in the season versus this time last year? Yeah, um, like you said, last year was kind of all over the place but I was able to uh, come to spring training uh, first big league camp went to Double A went up to the big leagues and then finished in Charlotte but. Um, I had some up and downs last year, uh, went down to Charlotte and really was able to work with our pitching coach there um, and figured a lot of things out. Um, this offseason has been, you know, I, I kind of continued to work on the same stuff, came into here and um, I feel really, really good and comfortable where I am. Um, obviously, coming back for your second big league camp, you feel a little more comfortable, but you know, you're still trying to to earn a spot and help uh, you know this organization as much as possible. So, um, but this spring, every outing has been really consistent. Uh, I feel really good, feel healthy, and I'm just looking forward to trying to get back out there again. That transition must have been so crazy for you to go to make the jump from Double A to the big leagues, skip over a level, and then go back to that level that you you jumped on the way back. Um, and after you know you get thrown into the fire at the major league level. To have those lessons to be able to apply that stuff in Charlotte, mentality-wise, what was it like for you when you got into the International League? Because that's an entirely new level for you, too, and you've already been above it, uh, but now you get a bunch of stuff that you get to take there and work on. What was that transition like going to take a, you know, a quote-unquote step back, but really just something that's the the final polish for you? Yeah, I needed it um, in a lot of different ways. Uh, I was in the middle of a couple of mechanical issues. Um, you know, I was inconsistent at times when I was up there, but uh, I went to AAA and faced really good competition, uh, but able to, to figure a lot of things out. Um, you know, Richard Dotson, I really worked with him a lot, and, and he taught me a lot of things about being able to just not only throw the baseball, to, but, you know, but to pitch. So um, I think being up there and then coming back to Charlotte and then coming here, I think it has thrown me into a lot of experiences that I've, I've learned from, and um, you know, I'm definitely where I want to be right now, for sure, and I feel pretty prepared to uh, take on the next step. What was the biggest difference in terms of the guys that you saw, double-A, big leagues, triple-A? I mean, in triple-A, it seems like a lot more major league style approaches. Maybe in double-A, guys are a little bit more raw, maybe a little bit more talented, but what was, from what you were seeing in opposing batter's boxes, how was the adjustment from going from double-A to the major leagues, then back to triple-A? Yeah, you have to, you can't waste pitches um, you know those guys are really patient they have a good eye and you know they're looking for one pitch and if you make the mistake you're going to pay for it um, but I think that's one thing that I've learned since I went to AAA and, and now this spring training is being able to throw all my pitches in the same type of area and just letting them do um, you know what they're designed to do uh, 
you know, it's one thing to throw your breaking ball in the dirt, but majority of the guys in the big leagues aren't going to swing at it because that's not the pitch they're looking for. So um, it's just being able to command the zone, uh, get ahead, and, and I feel like I've uh, done a really good job of doing that. Carson, this system, this offseason, already going into 2017 was going to be a good system, and then everything blows up in December, and I mean, this is an entirely reshaped and really talented organization, and um, for you, I mean, already knowing you were going to be in the mix, now you get to be in the mix with a whole bunch of other guys at this level, um, you know, at the upper levels of the minors and, and competing for big league jobs. What's the energy been like this year versus what you remember from last season, being in big league camp, being on the minor league side, you know, with Giolito around and, and Lopez around and all those guys? How has it changed? Um, I mean... I think this clubhouse has a bunch of guys that want to win. Um, I think we all have the same mentality of, of sticking together and and uh, you know moving towards one goal, and that's you know winning the World Series. Um, you know, with everybody that came in, uh, I've played with Giolito uh, before. Um, you know, the older guys in the clubhouse, they're really just you know embracing the whole concept of creating a good culture, and I think that. Uh, you know, the management, everybody in the organization is doing a really good job of, of pulling us together. So uh, we're in a great spot, and uh, I think that we're going to develop and, and turn into uh, something special that, um, you know, we all hope that uh, we are one day. One of the things we always love to talk to to guys in your situation about is the the Vanderbilt culture. We on the podcast we've had Dancy Swanson and Tyler Beatty and gotten a chance to talk a lot about, especially in recent years, what that program has turned into. Um, but for you guys now, is this kind of special fraternity that exists across baseball? What's it like watching those guys? I mean, guys that you remember from, I would imagine, you know, some freshman road trips and the dumb moments that you have when you're 18 years old. Now watching guys who are on the biggest stage in baseball and, and being able to share in their success while also having some of your own how cool is that yeah well we always spend time together even out here um you know dan's being walker they're some of my best friends um that i had from college i see walker pretty much every day since he's right across the the complex uh i'm still really close with dan's but you kind of look back um at when we were freshmen and sophomores and even juniors at school it's you know, with Price and Sonny and Pedro and all those guys coming back um, and being right across the hall from us in, in that pro locker room. Um, you know, that's what Coach Corbin wants. Uh, there's a reason why we have such a special culture there at Vanderbilt. And, um, you know, for them to take the time, for Price and Sonny to take the time to, to come back and, and spend time with us, it speaks volumes of, of what, uh, you know, like I said, the type of culture we have there. So, I owe a lot to Corbs. He's like my second dad, and, uh, you know, I definitely try to stay in contact with him as much as possible. But, um, you know, Vanderbilt is a very special place, and I'm just glad I was a a part of it. Last thing for you, man. Uh, everybody obviously talks a lot about your role and ultimately what it will be, starter, bullpen, whatever it is. Uh, having experience in that and pro ball now on both sides, do you have a preference on that? Do you feel like one is going to let you thrive and use your stuff, maybe plays up a little bit more in the bullpen? You're obviously used to being a starter. How do you envision yourself down the road? No, I want to I want to start. Um, that's something I the challenge I was faced with in college, uh, being stuck in the bullpen early and, and, and proving myself to be a starter, but being drafted as a starter um, here is the same thing. Um, I want to start. Uh, I want to take our team late in the ball games, and uh, you know I feel like uh, you know I've 
I'm working towards you know, trying to, to get a spot. So um, I feel great. I mean, whatever the team needs me to do, uh, as long as we win, that's the most important thing. But um, long term, you know, I, I definitely would like to, to start and, uh, like I said, take us deep in ball games. That was Act 4 of our program, Act 4, glass half Fulmer. Carson Fulmer made the big leagues last year with the White Sox just a year removed from being in school at Vanderbilt. And uh, over in the Atlanta Braves organization, that is a team that is quite familiar with talent that has come out of Vanderbilt. Top prospect in the Braves system is Dansby Swanson, who is a college teammate of Carson Fulmer. And while Fulmer rocketed to the major leagues as an arm that could be used in a variety of different ways, as you heard, he wants to start, was used in the bullpen. There are all kinds of options for guys as they make that climb. The Atlanta Braves are hoping that a bunch of their pitching prospects are going to continue to make that same climb. The Braves, who edge the Chicago White Sox in our farm system rankings for pitchers because of Sam's vote tampering. Max Freed is an interesting prospect in that system. Went to the Braves in 2014 in the Justin Upton deal from the San Diego Padres. Max Fried last year spent time with the Class A Rome Braves as part of that insanely talented rotation. And Sam's got a great story up on the site, a roundtable discussion with members of that rotation from last year. But the one guy who couldn't be in that conversation was Max Fried. So Sam went back to Braves camp to catch up with Max. How would you kind of describe it, just that staff and working together? Uh, unique, definitely unique. Uh, there's so much talent. I mean, not only is each guy as talented as they are, but they're even better people. So everyone really matched, everyone really pulled for each other, and I felt like that was the difference. Everyone really had each other's back and wanted everyone to do well, and it was encouraging, but also used everyone's success as like the benchmark to try to, to, to one-up you just for the team. Not as like a personal vendetta or anything, but more just Ten using guys like friendly competition and push everyone Ten to get better. Strokes. Right. When did it start to feel special? Uh, shortly after the All-Star break when the second half hit. So we were pretty, you know, we had a pretty rough first half, a lot of growing pains, a lot of, you know, people's first full season. So kind of get the feet wet. And then second half, you started to see everyone get more comfortable. Um, kind of progress throughout the season, confidence building, and just one thing, you know, we just fed off everyone. You know, get a big hit, made a big pitch, just things just kept rolling and rolling. Uh, next thing you know, we're, you know, really hot going to the playoffs. Right. Yeah, I was going to say, how confident were you guys going to the playoffs? Knowing you guys were rolling you, you know, Mike, Tukey, Kobe, over and over and over. Yeah, I mean, you knew you were going to... You're going to have a guy on the mound who's going to go out there and give us all a good chance that you needed a couple runs to score to win that day. Just the way everything was going. I was really confident in their stuff and just the way the ball was being thrown. So you just you knew that you needed a couple runs to probably get the victory. And when you were saying you guys were feeding off each other, what's something specifically you took from another one of your you know, fellow long pitchers? Uh, I mean, just as far as going out there you know, Mike would go six or seven. Get in and get the fuck out, man. So, so, okay, well, I have to, I have to go at least six or, you know, maybe try to go more. Right. So just going out there and just taking, taking to the game and really just taking a step back now, looking at it, like it was extremely special. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and a lot of the reports on you were that you were getting stronger as the season went on. You were really impressing in that second half. What was that building up to? Was that just getting stronger after the surgery or what? What, what kind of do you attribute that to? Uh, it was a lot. I had a lot of time off. I had 
It was just more getting my feet wet again, playing every day, traveling. The first half was kind of just, it was just me trying to figure everything out. And I felt as soon as the second half hit, kind of got in my goal, felt confident and felt back to being myself and natural. So just tried to ride that out and not overthink it and just kind of... You know, whatever happened, happened. Mm-hmm. And um, if you could take one pitch from one of your fellow pitchers, something that really dazzled, you know, you tried to get a grip from or something like that, which pitch would you take? Off your wow. Um, I really like the way Colby is able to locate his fastball. It's really good on both sides of the plate. And, and it really plays up because he can literally put it wherever he wants. And I thought that was, you know, that's something that I... I'm working towards. Right. And I know that he's definitely uh, really advanced as far as his It sounded like you guys were a pretty good brotherhood. How much were you communicating even in the off season when you weren't around each other all day? No, I mean a lot. You know, whether it was you know keeping up with people through Snapchat or you know texting, call, FaceTime, stuff like that. It was definitely uh, it was definitely a unique experience. Just having that is like. Even till today, like I mean, we had a couple of guys over here on the big league side, but we all went out to dinner, you know, one night. So definitely, uh, you know, we're it's a very close kind of close circle. It's really cool. Yeah, I was, was going to say, how much were you guys talking about kind of carrying that towards Florida, you know, whatever that high. Yeah, I mean, that's the plan. I mean, it's not that we haven't really <laughs> talked too much about it okay. specifically, but you know, it's. Kind of under understood that we're just going to try to you know, build off what we did last year. Mm-hmm. And for you personally, you know, first big league camp. What has that kind of experience been like? Being in this locker room and being in this experience. Uh, priceless, I would say. Just being able to pick the brains of some really knowledgeable baseball people, coaches, players. Really just trying to take my game to the next level on that mental side where you know, there's a lot of things that you can see someone doing preparing but it's you know why do they do it you know what helps you kind of get in that mindset where you're able to compete every day at the top of your ability so it's like one of those things where you know, talk to different pitchers even hitters just see what kind of their routines are and you know try to implement that into my game yeah i was going to say what's the kind of next thing you think you need to do to, to make that next level or kind of breakthrough or what's your been that focus in, in that regard just being confident in my stuff and just trusting it just going out there and saying you know i can get you out i'm just going to stay within myself because a lot of times for me when i'm trying to do something that it's not necessarily part of my game it's when i kind of get out of whack and things kind of fall off the track but when i just try to stay within myself and uh, be the best version of myself that I possibly can, then things, you know, more times than not, will fall into place. And this is something I'm going to ask the other guys later, too, but who was the toughest hitter you had to face in the Sally League, you think? Um, I can say that um, Reynolds on Augusta when he came up, so you know he got just got drafted. Right. He was on a tear, hitting everyone, and he was you know, a switch hitter, I believe. So he was like really 
you know, both sides of the plate, tough at bats, just grinded them out. Especially down the stretch in that last series when we had to clinch for playoffs. He was definitely the one guy, you know, one of the guys in that lineup that you had to keep your eye on. Act 5 on our show today. Act 5, Maximus of Rome. I'm sorry, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> I'm sorry. All right, so obviously this has been a different show for all of us. <laughs> we tried our best to kind of do this American lifestyle uh, for the Meyer Leagues, for spring training. Um, for those of you who listened to the past couple episodes, this is episode 101. So we've tried to make this spring training 101 an educational experience for all. Hopefully you've learned a little something about, you know, maybe some of your favorite prospects or what you should have learned uh, if you were in attendance for us recording this is that as of right now, the clock on my Skype shows that we've been recording for an hour and four minutes. And I think we've probably laid down maybe four minutes of actual recorded content. It's pretty much just been me laughing hysterically and Josh and Sam trying to actually move this thing along. But um, that's what you should learn. Yes. Trying to come up with puns is a uh, difficult and... Josh is here, by the way. He's just not talking. I'm I'm interested in in knowing how many of our (laughs) listeners have heard of a film called Pal Joey. Uh, You can go ahead and... Let us know on the Twitter. Give, give that a Google. Big pal Joey fan. <laughs> yeah. Yep. We're we're big with the uh, with the seventies Sinatra film crowd. Generally, that's pretty much our that's our Venn diagram. We cross over a lot with the podcast and and those viewers. Yeah. So Sam, how's spring training been? We figured we'd bring it all back together. We yeah, kind of tie things ourselves. up with a nice little bow. Wrap it up. Be ourselves at the end. Leave, leave uh, Ira Glass's territory alone. Of our great podcast episode, This Minor League Life. <laughs> um, but Sam, what? Uh, tell us about Florida. You've been down there since the 7th, and we're recording this on the 15th. You all will hear it on the 16th. Sam is going home on the 17th? That's correct, yep. So, I've... so tell us about what the, the experience has been like, and then we'll do the same. Yeah, so it's 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 been a lot of fun so far. Um I think I definitely timed the trip out well this year in terms of getting to see more intra-squad games. Uh, one of the highlights was seeing R.A. Dickey pitch to you know Braves prospects uh, last week and seeing Adam Brett Walker do his thing, which is hit a home run, hit a very, very long home run off R.A. Dickey. Uh, kind of a tumultuous offseason for him after going from team to team to team, be DFA'd all over the place. Uh, finally land with the Braves after you know being put on waivers. Um, no longer on the 40-man, but him showing off his stuff there. Belbito and Mayor also homered in that uh, kind of intra-squad game. So, um, yeah, I mean, we've been telling you guys for weeks, if you've been listening, you know, try to get to the backfields. That's where the real kind of action is. And, um, yeah, it's, it's been a fun time to kind of see guys back there and um, – some of the ones who have obviously, you know, grown a little bit since I've last seen them, um, you know, in preparation for their first seasons or they're, you know, trying to build as they go to the upper levels. Uh, yeah, so I'm on the east coast of Florida right now. I guess it's the Atlantic coast. I, I keep wanting to call it the east coast and the west coast. It's the Atlantic coast and the Gulf coast. I'm on the Atlantic coast right now. Uh, I finished up today at Nationals camp where I talked to Coda Glover. A little bit. He's a relief prospect. Uh, I also talked to you know 
members of the front office with the Nationals about what exactly a relief prospect is. Uh, so you can find that on the site in terms of, you know, when in Tyler's conversations with Carson Fulmer, you know, they, they want to make him a starter uh, because you want your, the guys with your best stuff in starting roles. And the Nationals said that's usually the way we do things. But Glover has been so good as a reliever going back to his days at Oklahoma State that they're going to kind of continue that going on that. Um, so like I said, that's up on the site. Uh, that Rome rotation uh, kind of Q&A roundtable was one of the most fun stories I think I've done since I've started um, going into my sixth season here. So to get the go, those guys all in a room together, um, you know, playing off each other, talking about each other. Uh, I mean, Tyler and Josh can tell you, anytime you get players to talk about other players, you're, you're always going to get your best quotes. So to be talking about one another in a group setting like that was fun. Um, actually, the best thing about that, I think, was Colby Allard telling me he didn't like my question, uh, which always comes across weird. and, and might It's generally the way uh, we all feel here, too, Sam. That you don't like my questions? Yeah, or comments or general tenor. Okay. <laughs> what was the question that made Colby Allard tell you he didn't like your question? No, it was... Uh, I asked, you know, if you could steal a pitch from one of these other guys' arsenals, what would it be? Because... They're all working with different stuff. Maybe, you know, somebody would really like Tuki Toussaint's curveball or, you know, uh, Patrick Weigel's fastball or something like that. And Allard's just like, no, we're different. You know, I don't want to take anything from anybody else. I'm me. They're them. That's what makes our us good. Our beauty is in our differences. Yeah. So, yeah. I, see. I mean, you, it's educational when guys don't play along. That's fine. You have to adapt and whatever. So, um, yeah, that was a lot of fun if you can go back and check that out. So, yeah, it's been it's been a fun second spring, um, learning some different things, seeing some guys up close as they prepare for the minor league season to come. And uh, what about out there in Arizona? What do, I know you guys just kind of got started getting down there, I think, on Sunday. Um, but what have you guys learned so far? Yeah, no, I mean, we've had a, a ton of fun so far. The biggest difference, and we've discussed this on the podcast before, but um, in the Cactus League, everything is pretty much located right around the Phoenix metro area. Not pretty much. Everything is located right around the Phoenix metro area ever since the Rockies and Diamondbacks moved up from Tucson uh, a few years ago. So it's a lot easier for Josh and I to cover basically all the ground in the Cactus League, um, which we're only a handful of ballparks away from actually doing. I think we've gotten – Almost everybody. I know we got to hit the A's, Brewers, and Angels, but I think uh, that's true. Yeah, that's about everybody all that we're that we're doing. Um, yeah, and I've I've saw a fun intra squad game today, um, but it was it was the A advanced uh, club versus the A club in Cubs camp, and Alec Mills, um, who you know he's a more he's made three appearances in the, in the big leagues, uh, but. He pitched two innings for the the A Cubs against the the A advanced hitters, um, and the only guy who who really made any hard contact on him was number 29 Cubs pro, uh, prospect PJ Higgins, who gave a real solid knock into uh, into right field. Um, otherwise, Mills, you know. You read a lot about guys working with a plane. Mills was a guy where I could sort of see the ball, him pitching on a plane and him working with his his size. Um, and he, he really kind of coasted through those innings. And when they were done, actually, uh, they had him stay out there and face another batter, and he struck that batter out. 
I do like that with the intra-squad games. Today, uh, I was at Padres camp, and uh, it was a prospect whose name I don't remember. I didn't get at the time, but he got drilled by a pitch and then just didn't leave the batter's box, just stayed in, finished the at-bat. And that's one of the things that's like all the rules go out the window in spring training when they're the inter-squad matchups like that where they just want to see guys develop. They want to see guys get at-bats. They want to see guys, you know, throwing pitches and all that type of stuff. But it's cool because that relaxed type of atmosphere, it's fun to see the way that personalities show up among players and among coaches and all that kind of stuff. It's also fun when things go awry, as I saw today at Padres camp. The Padres were set to match up with the Texas Rangers today uh, in a couple of uh, a handful of matchups among their minor leaguers. So on those days, uh, generally two teams will travel to one facility and two teams will travel to the other. So for example, the two Padres double A and triple A teams would travel to the Rangers facility to play against Rangers double-A and triple-A prospects. Well, the problem today was each team sent their double-A and triple-A guys to the other facility. So it ended up that the Rangers double-A and triple-A players ended up playing against high-A and low-A players from the Padres system, which one of the Padres coaches was standing by me when it happened, and he was like, hey, man, it's all baseball. I mean, these guys have got to learn to play against older guys at some point anyway. But it was funny when the Rangers guys were filing in. They said, hey, what fields are we playing on? Yelled to a member of the the Padres staff that was on one of the fields, and he said, these two. And they said, triple-A over here and double-A over here? And he said, wait, you brought your triple-A and your (laughs) double-A guys? Which is like the first moment where you're like, oh, something has gone wrong here. <laughs> um, so that was pretty entertaining. But, uh, you know, similarly to, to what Josh was saying, um, I got a chance to see a really promising prospect in the San Diego organization today, Adrian Morahone, who was a, a big signee off the international market last year, a Cuban product who uh, actually spent some time talking to his agent. He said that today was only the second time that Morahone had faced live hitters in like the last six months, uh, since Instructs, I assume. So uh, that was really cool because you could tell the energy in Padres camp. I was talking to Sam Gini, their director of player development today, and he said, I don't know how long you're sticking around, but uh, Morahone's going to be throwing uh, a sim game today. And, I mean, if you want to show, he's going to be up just after 1 o'clock. And so I hung around. He actually didn't end up throwing until about 2.30, but hung around as soon as he got on the mound – a dozen scouts appeared out of nowhere <laughs> standing behind the cage, uh, you know, with the radar guns out and all that kind of stuff. He was sitting 93, 95, really impressive breaking pitches, really impressive off-speed stuff. Um, he throws uh, a pitch that has been described to me as anything from a knuckle slash uh, spike changeup to a palm ball. It's basically like when Daisuke Matsuzaka came over and everybody's like, he throws a gyro ball, which is a pitch that doesn't exist. But apparently, Adrian Morhone has a changeup that, like, nobody's ever really seen before. And that's one of two changeups that he has. He also throws, like, a traditional changeup, too. Um, he uses knuckle and his palm. Knuckle and pitch. palm. <laughs> it's a knuckle-palm change, basically. It's like when you just combine pitches among players that you create on video games in the late 90s. Um, so, but it was cool, you know, it's cool to get a chance to see those guys, like, just very randomly on backfields, you have an opportunity to see talent that, you know, five years down the road could be major league star type of talent, but, um, aside from that, Josh and I have had fun, our palatial Phoenix estate, um, we rented, uh, I guess it's safe to call it a compound, it's more, it's more than a palace, 
<laughs> I would say compound is probably it's probably the next step up. Yeah, I don't really know if there's a word in the English language to describe what what exactly it is, but uh, compound. Yeah, we can, we can go with. Yeah, let's go with that. Um, we're recording it between two infinity pools. We're actually recording it in an infinity pool, um, and between two other infinity <laughs> pools. And uh, yeah, no, I mean it's just uh, the surroundings here are palatial. Indeed. Yeah. Um, okay. Have you stayed? Have you stayed in the same place this whole time? No, no. I was in Tampa at the beginning of my stay, and now I'm in West Palm Beach. So I've been moving oh, okay. around. Um, you pretty much just told us that. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's okay. I know. I know you don't always listen to me, Tyler. It's fine. I was going Colby Allard on you, Sam. Yeah. Any Sorry. gator encounters, Sam? <laughs> what? Gator encounters? I have not had any gator encounters. No. That's uh, That's I did have two bird encounters at the Mets backfields. That yeah, some people yeah. either appreciated my puns or very much did not. So <laughs> Sam made a very good dad joke on Instagram. Sam, tell everyone. Yeah, no, they, they were. I was going back to the backfields of the Mets, uh, you know, area uh, in St. Lucie earlier this week, and um, you know, was hoping to see guys. They Mets actually warm up later, so there was nobody back there except for two birds just hanging out in the middle infield. And uh, so I took a picture as one does in this year of our Lord, 2017, uh, and put it on Instagram with the, uh, the joke that, you know, I was not expecting to see those two prospects on the backfields that day, but the early scattering reports say they can really fly. Ah! So, <laughs> bum, 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 bum. And the Venmo just went through. Thank you for laughing boys. <laughs> Um, yeah, man, it's been, uh, we've had some fun. We've had some fun with this episode. We've had some fun down here. Uh, by the time you all get this on Thursday, Josh is headed somewhere tomorrow. <laughs> somewhere. Josh is headed somewhere tomorrow. I'm going to surprise. Uh, I'll be at Royals camp. Wait, where right Josh is going is, is a surprise. Yeah, apparently. We'll both be at surprise. I'll be at an actual place called surprise and where Josh is going is just an abstract surprise. That'll be uh, that'll happen. Um, and uh, then on Friday, Josh actually has to leave and head back to Los Angeles. I'll be here on Friday. Not sure yet what I'm going to be doing on Friday, but that's kind of the cool thing about the Cactus League is you can make a plan at the last minute and then go do it. Um, I kind of want to go to Angels Camp and talk to Michael Hermosillo just because I have a man crush on his Twitter persona, uh, and we randomly favored each other's tweets, and so I figure I should go introduce myself to him. Um, but yeah, I mean Friday, you know, Friday's a it's a it's an open book, Sam. It's a it's a blank canvas for you to dream on. I always do dream on Fridays. I think that's that's how that works. Um, yeah, I, I got Cardinals camp tomorrow uh, when everybody is hearing this. So <clears throat> that'll be coming out. Uh, a story on that will be coming out tomorrow uh, on Thursday. If you're listening on Thursday, if you're listening over the weekend, then go to the site, go check that out. And then I'm flying back from Tampa on Friday. I'm making the drive from Palm Beach to Tampa, going through a place called Yeehaw Junction, which only in America. Hell yeah. Yeah. That sounds awesome. It's, it's fantastic. Like anybody you talk to about making that drive from – you know, Palm Beach to Tampa, they always say, oh, do you have to go through Yeehaw Junction? Darn right you do. Uh, it's literally just a place where the road splits, but it's advertised for... A junction, know, if you will. A junction, yeah. But <clears throat> it's advertised for like 100... E and the other's called Ha. <laughs> if only. There's actually like a tourism board in there. It's really weird. It's this. It only exists at the split of the roads. They just sell T-shirts that say Yeehaw Junction, Florida. Probably. I'm probably actually going to stop this time. So I'll try to get you guys postcards. Smart plan, actually. Yeah, please do. But um, please do. 
yeah, it, it, it advertised 100 miles out, 50 miles out, 25 miles out. So you're like, I'm getting like pumped for this thing. Now. Yeah. So that'll be exciting. But um, more excited for Cardinals camp. I will say that. There you go. That'll work. Um, yeah, we got a lot of stuff up on the site. Uh, as of basically every day, we've been filing stuff from here. Sam's been filing stuff from Florida. So you can check that all out at MILB.com. I've also got my last feature of the offseason, uh, which is running purportedly tomorrow. Uh, which would be Thursday when you hear this. Uh, but I was working on it earlier this week. It was going to run today, and then we had some things changed around with with the content schedule, so it'll run on Thursday. But it's a story about the last minor league baseball team in Cuba uh, and sort of some of the reasons as to why that team had to literally flee the island midseason in 1960. Um, so that story will be up on the site. It also led to a moment the other night in which I was working on it, Josh and I were both sitting at our table here, and I just said to myself, okay, Fidel Castro. And that was it. And Josh burst out laughing because for two minor league baseball writers, it's about the most random world leader that you could ever just say a name of well, actually, it's trailing the, off into the silence. Most, the best world Well, yeah, I guess that's, that's true for a baseball – Yeah, But it, it, it did uh, – <laughs> it was an interesting moment. <laughs> it's a little strange. It's a little strange. This whole thing's been a little strange, but it's been fun. Um, so I guess that'll do it. Sam, get back, get back safely. Yeah, you guys do the same. Enjoy the rest of your trip. Uh, enjoy, yeah, your drive home, Josh, and your flight. Your flight. You're going to LA too, Tyler, right? I am. Next week, I will be uh, in Los Angeles for the uh, the World Baseball Classic semis and the title game. So that should be fun. And uh, I'll probably hang out with Josh again. You know, we're, we're best friends now. I wish you could be here, Sam. I, I do, too. <laughs> so that'll do it for episode uh, 101, Spring Training 101 of the Show Before the Show podcast. Our biggest thanks, as always, to our show's co-founder, Jake Siner, of whom it can be said. Well, he's like my second dad, and, uh, you know, I definitely try to stay in contact with him as much as possible. For Josh Jackson and Sam Dykstra, I'm Tyler Mon. We'll talk to you next week. Are you guys aware of this movie, Pal Joey, no. with Frank Sinatra, Rita Hayworth, and Kim Novak? No, I cannot say that I am. Oh. <laughs> so Palumbo Joey is out then. Oh, my God. Oh, okay. My sides hurt. Okay, okay, okay. Focus, focus, everyone.